Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, where niche is neat. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. Also alongside our, well, you were you were a guest star for an episode. Then you got bumped up to recurring. Now I'd say your supporting cast, Woo! it's Monty. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I got promoted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Promotions so, so, come to those who wait. So just in case anyone needs a refresher on how um, roles are in television. Um, okay, this is, this is a great way to start. <laughs> there's there's series regulars. Those are the people mm-hmm. who are on every episode in their main cast. Then yep. there's supporting, which are the side characters who are needed for the whole season. Yep. Recurring characters are people who are in... Like once every few episodes, but they're not like a mainstay. They're like the girlfriend of the main character. And then there are guest stars, which are just in for one episode. So if you have a guest star role, it's not a good thing. It's not good. <laughs> not a bad um, thing either. You still get your no, 15 minutes if of you film. can't get any other work. But, <laughs> you know, no one wants a guest star role. No. Um, yeah, you don't want to, that. Like a, a guest star is the type of person they can kill off in three episodes because they technically gave you time to be cared. No, about. that's a recurring. Oh, okay, because that's three episodes. Are, are, See, are this cameos? is why we're going over this now. Are cameos like guest stars or not necessarily? Cameo is like one or two lines. Oh, that's yeah, true. yeah. yeah. Can, yeah. Cameos in a cameo can be a non-speaking role as well, depending on the program. Yeah, I'm just thinking. But cameo is like the worst. I was thinking like when Brad Pitt cameoed for Deadpool too. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's well, that's the, the modern cameo. Yeah. And like Marvel movies is a different kind of art than the traditional television cameo. Gotcha. That's so I think like a Marvel cameo is its own subcategory of cameo. That is like, true. That is we even true. have like because they even have unique cons- reoccurring cameos. Um, with, uh, when Stan Lee was still alive. Oh yeah, and so the, and technically those were all cameos, but they were predetermined reoccurring cameos that I believe, to to most extent, told a told the story of an actual singular character in the universe. So does that go into then reoccurring, Ben, or is that because it's not? There is our season regular, but they're only in small cameos and every every single episode. That would that probably ha- be recurring recurring yeah (laughs) i think we just opened up another can of worms so yeah how's everyone doing i'm good doing Uh, swell i just got uh my lovely beautiful fiance got me i'm holding this up for you and i don't know why because you can't see me you're so cool looking but it's a uh it's a new water jug uh i wasn't drinking water enough so mm. she got he hasn't been for 10 years a uh, longer net 27 sorry but she got me this water thing that is filled up to the top with all the water i need to drink in a day and let me tell you putting all the water i need to drink in a day in one metal thermos really encourages you to drink more water <laughs> you know what looks I... you in the eye I got something like that too. I got, uh, except it's like a ginormous beer. Uh, you know those um, 
from like what the Vi- Vikings used to drink beer. Oh, like a, like a drinking horn? <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, well, Rebecca's a really. drinking horn. Wow. Yeah, everyone needs a good <laughs> drinking horn. But yeah, it's like one liter and I have to get three liters in according to my trainer. So Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, I don't know what's called a thermos. I don't know. Uh, I call a- him the big O because he's orange. Uh, and the O stands for oh my god you're so big so mine mine is called Bubba because it's so chunky and fat nice I I just have a pink water bottle that's covered in stickers I don't have a uh, weirdly sexualized name for mine (laughs) my my water vessel is pure you can call it the pink panther no, you know, see, Pink Panther has too many, too many connotations to it. The my the kids I tu- the kids I tutor call it uh call it the father the father bottle, which is a really unnecessary name for it. <laughs> but it's because bottle? yeah, it's because uh, a bunch of a bunch of people put uh, mustache stickers on my water bottle, and there's a uh, a sticker that says Founding Father. Um, because I'm a follow, I am a, a Patreon supporter of the, probably the best short form musical artist on YouTube, in my opinion, which is value select. Um, I'll shout out that I've talked about value select before, but let me tell you again, value select is probably one of the funniest and most consistently high value things you can find on YouTube. And, um, I highly recommend everyone go and check them out. They're currently doing a, uh, a 30 day skit uh you know for all 30 days of this month he's doing a different skit um and they are hilarious all uh, right and i highly recommend checking it out well it's time we talk turkey because guys Ooh, we are turkey? 61 episodes in to fourth times the charm where niches needs and sometimes <laughs> where every week is a brand new concept now this technically is a new concept. True. With time comes change, and I'm making two big changes. Uh, one, we'll see today's format stick. is going to be slightly <laughs> different. Everyone is bringing in their own fourth times the charm subject matter from their own niches that they'd like to share with the class. We're going to talk about them. Secondly, I'm wiping the slate clean. On our biggest fan. Matt, who's our biggest Whoa. fan this week? All right. Well, our biggest fan this week actually is a very contentious um, t- uh, outcome. So three different listeners submitted a uh, our, our passcode. Now, Ben, can you remind me what the passcode was for last week? Jean Jacket. Now, and I, I can even recall, and you can check the tape. Um, Ben specifically says that you miss a jean jacket. Now, at 6.24 a.m. on Thursday morning, Mason said jean jacket is the passcode. It is not. (laughs) It is not at 1, let me double check, at at 4.27 Actually, oh, sorry, I, I, I apologize. At 1.58 p.m. on Thursday, Kyle, a, a, a previous guest on the podcast and, and reoccurring, reoccurring character. Recurring. 
recurring character said ja ja jean jacket now i that, you know i blame my sounds, there it's it my sounds fault. right <laughs> yeah but there here's where the contentious thing comes in okay kyle spelled it j a j a space jean jacket now on the same day at 3:25 p.m. Okay. Brennan also came in with ja ja jean jacket. Now, the difference here and and I have my opinion on who would take this, but I I think we'll take it to a three-person vote. Brennan went J apostrophe J apostrophe jean jacket. Or, or I guess hyphen, not apostrophe, sorry. Apo- like a like the middle dash. Yeah. So, in so my it was, mind... His was a stuttering J, saying the J sound twice before Jean Jacket, where Kyle technically wrote out Jaja as a word. So, I wrote... So, in my mind... Okay. I was thinking that it would be J-U-H dash J-U-H dash Jean Jacket. And I, I think, think that that's how you came, would write it in a script. And but I, I think don't... the person who came closest to that is Kyle. And so I'm putting my weight behind Kyle. So okay. then, uh, th- so then but... my, so since, since my weight is behind Brennan, because I believe that Brennan captured the phonetic, um, Kyle meaning was also of two hours earlier. He was two hours, but Mason, Mason was also several hours earlier than Kyle. Well, Mason didn't follow the rules. Mason Kyle didn't did. Follow the rules. We didn't have Kyle, a rule on spelling. Kyle, we he, he never ruled on spelling. But I feel I feel personally that Brennan did capture the the essence of what was being said better. You than You can Kyle. think what you want. I know. Well, this is that a fucking Kyle de- is the right choice. This is a fucking so. democracy. So it comes down. <laughs> it comes down to you, Monty. Who oh is really gosh. our biggest fan this week? Is it Brennan, <laughs> the longest running biggest fan? <laughs> on fourth times a charm, a man who sent me a subscription to Food and Wine magazine, or is it Kyle? Or is it Kyle who beat him to the punch and followed all the rules to submit the oh, weekly man. passcode? I knew it was going to come down to me. Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, when I said it, I did kind of stutter because I was a little nervous. I understand. So I'm going to cast the vote to uh, Brennan. I guess. Yes, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> really okay yes <laughs> well kyle our you biggest fan is brennan this week now kyle Ty- kyle gets a time bonus he if brennan beats i'll give i'll give kyle this concession if if he gets the passcode in within the same two hour period of brennan even if brennan was an hour and a half earlier than him kyle take the cake because of his time bonus from this week well but we're doing as, things as, a bit different this week, Matt, uh, <laughs> because I want more people to hear about Fourth Times the Charm. So if you want to be our biggest fan in this next week, what I want you to do is I want you to give five stars to Fourth Times the Charm on any podcast outlet of your choosing. I want you to screen cap it. I want you to send it to us on our Instagram. Four at times four times a charm, a charm official. official something something um <laughs> it's just and four then times a charm official, you, you will be our nerd. biggest fan but we want this to spread if you can get 
someone uh, just a different account to to review us and refer you that's a bonus Ooh, but i want i want people this is like a points based system yeah Oh, the game has been upped. Yeah, or that's right. Been up the game, I would say. He did. Yes, yes. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to start putting some, some giveaways up here too. Because I have that. like bags of pro wrestling stuff I've been hoarding, specifically to give away to our listeners. No, no, I just get a lot of wrestling stuff. Oh, come on, Ben, be generous. It was for the <laughs> listeners, and generous. you know it. <laughs> I think our listeners deserve something. All right. Well, we're well. We'll see how this week goes. <laughs> if our if our fans are successful in their mission this week, next yeah. week they will unlock the next tier prize, which right. is uh, a something from Ben. And so, with that said, let's move into. Our new show concept, we're still going to be doing the other stuff from time to time, but I think this is going to be a great way for us to explore new niches that we can't carry a whole episode with, as we learned from episode one. Um, hey, no, we could have carried that episode, but someone didn't want to sit there and read the comments of the weird figure site I found. Anyway. There was uh, a whole so narrative. Already, like, there was a weirdly and a narrative. So, okay, hold on, shut up. I'm telling, I'm telling Monty about this real quick. This is some po- right. fourth times a charm podcasting history. So, in our first episode, Ben wanted to talk about the history of action figures. A fascinating concept, as I'm sure you can tell. A, well, a concept. I, think I heard it, yeah. Okay, so if you, if you listen to it, at, at a certain point in the episode, Ben and I found a figure sharing site where people had posted pictures and images of historical figures um, throughout time as a documenting and also as a way mm. of showing off their collection. Now, Within a special realm of old school act of wrestling figures, there were about five to six people on the site. They were having a roundabout conversation through the comments of the figures they posted. And there was like a deep sexual innuendo between about three of them. <laughs> a an anger an anger at between two of them. And one guy who kept repeatedly commenting on the skin of the action figures while the other seven or six berated him for doing so. But, <laughs> but we didn't stop the entire episode and just read those. We talked about action figures instead. That would have been fun. Actually. Yeah. I, 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 I think that. for our one, for our 100th episode, we're going back. I'm calling oh. it now. I'm, I'm putting a stake. I'm putting the stake in the ground that when we get to episode 100, we're going all the way back. And we're going to read some beautiful selected comments from the annals of a action figure collection site. That's going to be like our tagline. Take it back. Take it back. Yeah, take it back. <laughs> Taking it back. Four times a charm. Taking it back. But, oh, man. Speaking of, you know what, Ben? You're going to love this. Speaking of okay. like wrestling memorabilia, I was cleaning out my closet down in the basement, and I actually found... Um, do you remember Virgil? Yeah, of course I remember Virgil. Yeah, I got I found an autograph picture of him that I got years oh, ago. Oh shit. Really? Yeah. I I'll, I'll take a picture of it. I'll, I'll share it with you guys, but I, I thought you would appreciate that news. So, it's pretty Virgil's awesome. a very interesting character. Uh that's yeah. that's definitely a story for another day. Maybe next yeah. week. Um well, <laughs> 
I, I will get us started. I'll talk about uh, something from the week. Uh, a new video game released new, that I've new, been playing. New, new, um, new. <laughs> and the interesting thing about it is what's old is new again. And there is nothing more apt to describe that than the new Nintendo Switch game Demon Throttle. It's a Nintendo Switch exclusive. And the big marketing gimmick behind this is that it is only available via physical order. They have what? no shop page, no anything. They had an initial batch run of 10,000 copies, I believe, sold out. And now they're going to be doing a second run because it was successful. But the game is a retro uh, shooter RPG, uh, a la the NES. Uh, its presentation is... I'd say, honestly, more like Sega Genesis. Like, in between Ooh. the... Or maybe more like the... Um, uh, the TurboGrafx-16. It's like in between what? the NES and the Super Nintendo. What's the name of the game again? It's called Demon Throttle. Uh, real old school artwork, everything. Uh, the art style is heavily influenced by the NES. Um, oh, wow. This so this this kind of comes in in the wake of a another old school innovation or old school callback game, which was Cuphead, which was another like well, largely very successful. No, okay, Cuphead was more yeah. different. Well, this is a very different kind yeah. of game, but I <laughs> well, mean, like in Cuphead a retro callback is a very kind of way. new game. What Cuphead sure. apes isn't really retro games; it's retro animation yes. in the yeah. video game format, which is different. Demon Throttle is. And this is the strangest thing ever. It is an ode to an NES game called King's Night. And I felt like for the longest time, I was the only person who had ever heard of King's Night. Uh, but it's a very interesting concept. It's imagine a vertical shooter like, um, like a, like a, you know, like a Space ship invaders? shooter, like Galaga or something. Okay. Except instead of a ship in space, you are a character and an RPG. Okay. And you just are constantly moving forward, killing shit. Oh, but it's like a dungeon crawler. It's not a dungeon crawler. It's it it's is- a vertical shooter first. But with the aesthetics oh, okay. of a oh, JRPG, okay. I'm, I'm seeing so I'm like, seeing the the pictures of it now, the video of it now, and it look wow, it's dizzyingly intense. Yeah, so like you can, um, so in well, I, I guess I'll discuss King's Knight first, but it's also turned Demon Throttle. You can upgrade your character uh, as you go along. When a character dies in King's Knight, at least they're dead until you King, finish King- the game. King's Knight like, was released what what year? King's Knight was released in nineteen eighty something, like eighty seven ish. And this is a Real. this is a direct yeah. callback to that game, or like a like a spiritual homage. So, so well, that's the weird thing is Demon Throttle, and really no one online has pointed this out except for maybe some like one person. Demon well, Throttle I know, I know is essentially about to. the spiritual successor to King's Knight because the gameplay. Okay is like if they took King's Knight and yeah. got rid of all the stuff that made it a not good game. Because King's Ooh. Knight 
ultimately is like a five out of 10 game because okay. it's really esoteric. It's hard to understand what's happening. It's an extremely cheap and difficult game. Well, it's got permadeath, um, which no one loves. The, the one cool thing with King's Knight, though, is instead of having lives, you have your characters. Okay. Uh, and even though the map's the same, each character you play with, it has a different sprite overlay. Oh, isn't that, is isn't that similar cool. to uh, the game Darkest Dungeon? Um, I don't think so, don't but I haven't so. played it, so it could be wrong. Yeah, like there's there's a or like it's it's Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, I, I believe in Darkest Dungeon. Like you control a party of people, and you don't have lives. You just have living sure, party members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a lot more arcadey in a sense. Yeah. but but anyway, uh, what Demon Throttle does is they streamline. All of it. They basically take King's Knight. They're like I was when I was 10 years old. And they're like, this is a great concept. It needs finessing. And they finessed it. And so we have 35 years later, essentially a sequel to King's Knight, the most obscure of obscure NES games. And it's really awesome. The soundtrack is super upbeat. It veers into like metal adjacent as like, you reach boss like battles. It's it's difficult, but it's forgiving. Like I started playing yesterday, and I'm able to get about halfway through because there's only four worlds. You are also um, very good at video games. Well, uh, but like, <laughs> but like once, <laughs> but once you know both your characters die, you're dead. Uh, you are a, so it is permadeath. So if you die, you go back to the very beginning of the game. Yeah, but you get but you have two characters you play as, and you get one of them back if you finish the level you're on. Okay, with only one character. So, so, so there is like a recovery two, mechanic. When you say two characters, is it like double player or you're controlling? So both you players? can play two player. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it makes it harder because otherwise you just get an extra five free hits with uh, the. With, with the second character you have, because you control them both. Mm. Uh, you can choose between a cowboy okay. who's, okay. <laughs> whose uh, wife is kidnapped by a demon. Oh, yes, that, that, that demon kissed my wife. Or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. He uh, then I there's also the a vampire uh, or vampiress whose golden chalices were stolen. And so they team up to fight back the chalices are like little hidden inside the uh inside each level there's a hidden zone where you can find it but the location of it changes each playthrough between one of like four locations so you gotta you gotta hope so when people are when when people inevitably speed run this game you're gonna have to get lucky on your uh relic placement i yeah yeah seems like it uh, there's a number of upgrades you can get. You can get yourself like a ball and chain. You can get yourself multiple balls and chains. Uh, it's it's a very self-contained, it's a very good game. My yes. only complaint that I have from playing the game so far, and once again, I've only gotten like halfway through it, uh, but my only real complaint is the or vampire character is so woefully underpowered compared to the... <laughs> Uh, to the cowboy to to the cowboy to the gunman that it's like if you die as the gunman boss battles become essentially unwinnable because it takes so long for her to kill 
anything. And maybe mm. I'm just doing something wrong, but but I mean it the the whole package is great. They have a a a game manual which is really lovingly constructed. It even has some game secrets in there, very old school. Wow. Um just as a whole, it's a real slam dunk package. Uh, graphics are great. Just everything about it is so well done. Um, and I, I hope to see more video games like this uh, because I've been, I, I just got Nintendo Switch online because I'm trying desperately to get the Nintendo Switch, Nintendo 64 uh, controller, um, which is easier said than done. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think people are really <clears throat> underselling how the NES and SNES packages you get with Nintendo Switch Online. Mm-hmm. People bitch that you've paid for these same games like 50 times and you have, but you haven't paid for Star Tropics five times. You haven't paid for uh, Destruction Derby or whatever it is yeah. 50 times or Gradius. And having all these games in one package. As someone with like a full time job, I'm enjoying playing these games a lot more than some of these big AAA experiences because I can pick it up, I can play it for ten minutes, I can put it down, and they're still really good games. They just happen to be, you know, uh, working with Little. the time constraints of their era. So, hmm. I, I, yeah, there, and I, I just, I just look quickly look this up, and they're made, they're made by a. Uh, a group called Doinksoft. Yep. Um, they do have a game that's also on Steam in addition to the Switch, which is uh, Gatto Roboto, uh, which looks like a like a traditional side uh, side scroller arcade shooter, um, similar to I think like uh, not a Transylvania, similar to like the layout of a uh, uh, a Super Mario, but instead of jumping, it seems like it's more of like a shooting style sideways scroller mm. um that you can get on steam if you don't have a switch like myself which may which means i'll probably um try to check out their other game and see if it's uh it's worth the time i do i do actually i was inspired by your your mentioning of a uh very an indie darling type of game ben that i want to shout out for everybody sure um this is a a, a new developed game from a, i believe a first-time game developer um bip bip and bips yeah bip and bips um he uh, he released a fantastic uh it's a demo it's a free demo that's on steam and a free game a free original unix game called dome keeper um it's a really lovingly constructed uh like 2d slash 3d world where you you just all you simply do is mine resources and defend your little tower from monsters um, nice. But it has it has a very <clears throat> loving '80s uh, like synth uh, you know perspective on it that you can that you explore as you delve into this world in the game and it's uh, quite worth your time, um, nice. especially as the game continues to develop. Memories because oh. like there's a game that I played when I was a kid called King's Quest and okay. it actually looks kind of like this actually. Yeah, um, yeah, King's Quest. That's a uh, PC, right? Yeah, and like you know, space quests, uh, those kind of games. I'm all King's Quest. They had a lot of them. They got up to King's Quest like eight, I think. Yeah. Oh shit! Didn't we play King's Quest at the Chicago Arcade Bar? 
No, we no, definitely no, it's, didn't. It, it's it's really hard to. I don't think it came out we, for arcades. It's like it a, didn't. We we it's played an adventure a, game. Mouse we played all the way yeah. through Golden Axe. Yes, Golden. Yeah, we beat the shit out of that game. Oh, that game. We sure awesome. did. Yeah, it's, we 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 definitely we definitely were talking to other people at the at the bar, not just playing Golden Axe for two and a half hours. <laughs> so, like, I I found it I, I find it interesting when playing a game like Demon Throttle, mm-hmm. because in a in many ways it's easier than the old NES games because they have mm. added a lot of modern quality of life features. Sure, and playing through it, it makes me wonder. I'm like, is this game? Like it, it is, I I'm like at what point is difficulty for a game bad, if yeah. that makes sense. Like yeah, Gradius, the... I I am never going to be able to play Gradius, the fuck, and Gradius? get to the last level in it just because it's too difficult like, for me. Uh, it's a, it's one of my first SNES games that I ever got, um, when I was in Taiwan, and it's like a side scrolling. Uh, shooter with two okay. jets and if you collect these i guess icons you can level up your guns mm-hmm. or to have uh options which is this little glowy ball that also fires for you oh it uh, goes hovers around your ship it's, it's a, a really fun game yeah it's a really good game <clears throat> and there's a lot of strategy because there's only certain enemies that can upgrade your ship so you okay. have to know where they are and you have to not die to keep all your upgrades because if you mm-hmm. die halfway through a level like you're pretty much boned yeah you're uh, screwed. but there's also the strategy of having to figure out you know okay i have the choice of upgrading my weapon what am i going to do first mm-hmm. yes. so like in the first yeah. level of gradius the first thing you want to get is the missile because when you okay. get the missile you can it uh shoots downwards automatically. Oh, okay. And it stays and so, on the surface of the, the ground, so it attacks yeah. the ground guys. Yeah. And so it takes care of all the ground guys that you really can't hit well, and like you can rack up a lot of extra uh upgrade points that way. But if you don't do that, it makes it a lot more difficult. So like yes. there's a lot of strategy for Gradius. Uh, but at the same time, you know, once again, if you die in Gradius midway through the level, you're pretty much going to have to reset your system. Yeah. Oh, damn. And so, I, and so I wonder when playing through Demon Throttle, I'm like, is this... I, 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 I don't even know if I have a question to ask, but I just find it interesting juxtaposing a modern retro game versus an, a genuinely retro game and and i'm i i guess i sort of wonder how much of the frustration that comes from playing through a retro game like how much of that is part of the game and how much of it is just mm. a product of its time and is closer to flawed game design now cuz like if you think about having a truly good gaming experience a satisfying gaming experience all arcade games are incredibly flawed because yeah. like they're meant to not give you a satisfying experience. So you want to spend more money. Yeah. So you play that's, that's that's like, forever. And, and, yeah. And, and like, that's a huge, you know, uh, re- reduction of what an arcade game is. Sure. But I just think that it's an interesting topic to mull over, you know? You know, yeah, what? I, I mean, I, I do I, like like the old school games because I, I like the challenge mm. and also, 
figuring out the patterns, like how the yeah. bullets go and how you can work on this. Like I, I, I recently got the Steam Deck um, myself and I got a I got my SNES emulator on there. Oh, how um, nice. And yeah, I like to when, when Ben brought up uh, Gradius 3, I was just like, oh, my God, I was just playing this the other day. And it's so freaking hard. It's hard. Yes. But it challenged the player to figure out what is the pattern that you find to to beat this game so oh, it kind of brings okay. back that that thing so but yeah you know um ben's right like like the classic games they are they are challenging but there is there are patterns and that's the challenge and like i agree the mm-hmm. the fun factor uh is very important in in terms of games in my opinion uh, it, yeah, fun fact uh yeah. gradius <clears throat> 3 Mm-hmm. At its release, because it was a launch game for the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people view Gradius Three as the worst of the Gradius franchise. Wow! Uh, because uh, the game was rushed through development, and really? so the SNES version in particular has lots of performance issues on the original console hardware. I just remember it lagging when the bosses get too big and you get too many (laughs) enemies on screen. But you know what? I well, it was my first. You know, it it was yeah. You know, my first SNES game that I got with my new system, and Mm -hmm. I thought it was friggin' awesome. It's like, you know, the graphics. You know, is nothing like. You know, it's a big jump from NES to SNES, and at the time, I was wild, and I I had my fun with it. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Gradius is a very underrated franchise, especially yes. in the West. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh they had a number of parodious games as well, which were literally yeah. parody games. Oh, so like instead yeah. of what? shooting, so yeah, yeah, in, instead of shooting like alien ships you're shooting like giant baby heads you know What's this called? <laughs> yeah, there is those games yeah i remember yeah those. <laughs> so the the gradius franchise is really good another game that had the same slowdown issues as gradius 3 is uh metal slug 2 where what yeah oh, on neo geo yeah on, on neo geo <laughs> they released the game and nationwide they like it, they made just like a very small error uh mm-hmm. or they or they like didn't test the game on the actual hardware like something was capped i i forget the explicit reason but for metal it's Slug got to do 2, with the coding i guess yeah yeah but it was like a very simple <clears throat> issue to fix but they didn't test it right so they send out metal slug 2 and the game has crippling slowdown I oh, mean, no. it's really bad. The game's great, but the slowdown's awful. So less than a year later, they release Metal Slug X, which is like the 1990s version of a DLC pack where they fixed it. But many it's like people, an update, yeah, yeah, of the game, yeah, but of, of the game, yeah. But many people like the simpler layout of Metal Slug Two more. So I think yeah. to this day, there's never been a port of Metal Slug 2 where they fixed the lag. Only Metal yeah. Slug X, even though people oftentimes like the levels of 2 more than X. But looking back at 
at these games. I, I remember there was a lot of games that, like, even A-list titles, like mm-hmm. Super Contra, that had a lot of oh, legs. Yeah. Like, whenever you drop the grenade or use the grenade, um, it does leg up the screen. But you know yeah. what? It, it didn't really bother me. I thought it was pretty, you know. I probably would because I was a kid. I was just mesmerized by the yeah. the graphic yeah, and giant well, explosion. Like, so it didn't really well, were, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, there were also different standards for each system. So, like the NES mm-hmm, had yeah. lots of slowdown. The Nintendo sixty four had a lot of slowdown too. Uh, a great example: uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, the lag is baked into the cutscenes. And by that, I mean, oh. you know, whenever there's a cutscene, they just uh, render it in real time. Yeah. I remember but that. But yeah. because of that, in like the end of the game, when the castle's crashing, they actually created the audio mix to sync with the game while it's lagging. Because it created a Wait, uniform really? amount of lag <laughs> yeah, it does. across all systems. <laughs> now, when it was released on the Chinese IQ player, which is the uh, which is like the downloadable uh, kiosk only Nintendo sixty four that was only available uh, in well, actually, it was available in uh, I think it was available in mainland Taiwan. And regular Taiwan. Or at least they were trying to get it out there, too. Um, Anyway. (laughs) uh, But it was more powerful than the N64. So in that version of the game, the cutscene is actually out of sync because there's no lag when it's falling. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Not not really. It's interesting to me. But anyway, I I just wanted to talk about Demon Throttle. Um, Ben, Ben, I just want to mention one thing that you did remind me, which is one of my favorite things in in modern video game history that's occurred okay in 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 the game devil may cry 5 if you get the ultra deluxe edition of the game it comes with a mode that allows you to toggle to live action cutscenes because the developers of their game got like actors and developers together had them wear costumes and make cardboard cutouts. I've to seen this. Do yes. Are you all serious? of the yeah? Wow. And if you're if you have it on while you're playing the game, all mm-hmm. of the cutscenes show up as oh, like so. Nice. It'll be in the middle of the game and it'll transition into a cutscene, and then all of a sudden you are in a live action studio with like interns in their office like playing with cardboard cars and fake swords because <laughs> all of so the cutscenes cool. are developed all of the scenes they show you are developed to actually look like the uh the game itself and like they were used as storyboarding tools and they're shot for shot identical to uh to the to the uh scenes that you would see without it the cinematics um, yeah, yeah the cinematics and it is by far one of the best things a modern game has done. They took the uh, cut the cutscenes and cinematics from Need for Speed Most Wanted and made something truly a, a beautiful out of it. That's awesome. And that 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 is my other anecdote. All right. Oh, well, you know what, Ben? Sorry, just to add, like, Gradius Three is from Konami. Wow. Yeah. That really does huh. take you back, eh? <laughs> yeah. Holy shoot. Back in the day yeah. before everyone hated Konami. 
Yeah. People hate Konami. It's so sad. Yeah, well, the Silent can, Hill thing really what, wait, what happened? What happened with Silent Hill? I, I, I mean, so, okay. I'm going to talk about this, and then we are moving on. <laughs> no, I said this, uh, this no, is the this format is, of the podcast. Good. This is what this, this is, is awesome. for. No, this, yeah. is, this is good. I know. I know. Uh, so <laughs> don't what, don't so don't bash the content, is, Ben. This is what the fans are here for. Kyle so is Hide- screaming at his car right now. So Hideo Kojima, <laughs> in tears. he's just screaming at his car because you wouldn't let him be the biggest fan. Anyway, uh, Hideo oh, Kojima, he'll fight me for it in the Ouch. gym. So Hideo Kyle, Kojima is one of the very week, few video game auteurs. Um, oh. Very hectic. Uh, times at konami while he was working with them but one of the main projects he was working on was a reboot of silent hill with guillermo del toro uh he released they released the pt demo which was which even as a demo is one of the best horror video games ever made yes and um after that they went silent for a bit Konami okay. fired Hideo Kojima. They rushed out Metal Gear Solid 5 in a state where essentially the final third of the game wasn't included in it because they just cut it out. Um, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. And and Kojima was just sort of shuffled off to the side. I don't know if we really have many more details than that, but Kojima ended up making Death Stranding, and that was pretty good. Ben, do you know why the walking simulator? The whole the big issue why they had to th- that that whole kerfuffle happened? No, I don't. Was because I, I there was there's a documentary on it on YouTube and I watched it. It was pretty dis- disappointing. So apparently, <laughs> uh, long story short, the, apparently Konami they wanted to focus on mobile games because it generated more revenue than console games and pc games included and that's why they decided to snip the budget and 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 cancel that game and decide to 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 go towards like gear uh konami towards developing mobile mobile app games it's it's really yeah it's i based on that documentary that that's what i got from it i don't know if it's true but that, I mean, Konami has been like. focused a lot more on on uh, like gotcha machines and stuff lately, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. But I did hear that they are planning to do uh, a Silent Hill. Um, they're try, they're bringing it back. They're trying. I guess they realized that they the fans are so upset and not not letting this drop. Um, yeah, they think the fans continued to. to care, and now yeah. they're now they're scared. <clears throat> Yeah. God, if if we want to play a video game that's guaranteed to not be good, we should all get the new Sonic game when it comes out. Oh. I don't know if you guys have seen footage of that thing, but it looks. <laughs> I, I've, I have played a single Sonic game in my entire life, and okay. that was you, enough. You have Wh- you which have one was it though? I oh, okay. It was there's on, more bad Sonic games than good ones. At it this was point. on the GameCube. Okay, so it wasn't one oh, of the good yeah, ones. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, no, I... My first Sonic game was on my Genesis, and... And I that's where Sonic it should stay. Oh, yeah. It was and Sonic was Adventures Battle 2. Oh, that was... I remember, that, I remember having... considered to, one I, of the better ones. I remember having there, to get shoes. There, there's, like, five Sonic games that pretty much everyone agrees are good. 
Sonic 1, 2, 3, Sonic CD, and uh, Sonic Mania. That was programmed by a fan, essentially. Um, and oh, Sega wow. just published it. Outside of that, Sonic Colors and Generations are also considered good. Then Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 are considered good for their time, but they haven't aged well. What's and then what's there's the one the where you're in the them. city? Yeah, that's Sonic Adventure 2. Okay, yeah, that it all like confused me. <laughs> I gotta yeah. go back. <laughs> yeah, that's like to this day, like I'm like I because I remember I know for a fact the game is incredibly glitchy. Like there yes. is like there's yeah. I've seen videos where people found like massive issues in the game where you can completely break it. But <laughs> I I don't I don't know anything else about it. Hey, let's not forget the movies. They're oh, hey, they, yeah, I was. The movies I've are pretty good. Them. The movies are the I've, best thing about the Sonic franchise right now. My one of my favorite things is when kids try to explain to me who Sonic is. They're like, "Have you heard about Sonic?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" They're like, they're, "He's if you, he's in this movie where he like does, and that's their entire frame of reference. Like they know he was a video game character." Yeah. But they they are intrinsically aw- only aware of the character insofar as that, that he exists in a movie. And that to them is canon. That's it. I mean, that's for the best. Yeah, yeah right? Honestly. I was like, one of them was like, should I, <laughs> I, I, I used to want someone I was working with asked me, hey, should I go back and play the old school Sonic games? I'm like, no, just watch the movies. No. And they no, were like, why? But- I, well, this is like a, this is like a 10 year old. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's that, I if it was a teenager, like better. Have him I, get I, I, the, maybe he should uh, get the ones on iPhone, the two D ones. Oh, yeah, that that parents aren't gonna let that happen. <laughs> oh well, they're like ninety nine cents. I don't know. Did you guys um, watch the uh, Chippendale movie that came out? Oh, I watched part I thought, of it. I watched. Yeah, I, I watched it a good portion stellar. of it. Speaking of Sonic, did you know Ugly Sonic actually is a character on that movie? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So they have um, in the movie, one of the concepts is that you can like CGify yourself. So you can change yourself from a regular animated character to a CGI character. Oh, okay. You said Chippendales movie. And I thought you meant the new documentary about the Chippendales like male strip club thing. No, because oh, no, there's an no, incredible no, new documentary out. Oh, okay, <laughs> isn't this is this is this like the weird like neo futurist nostalgia movie that everyone said was like a mind trip? I mean, this I is the most recent mind one. Trip. Oh, I wouldn't call that. This is like the, it's not like, the album. It's like the Roger Chipmunks Rabbit. It's, it's like it's Roger like, Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, okay. If yeah, Roger yeah, Rabbit's was bad. Yeah. If Roger Rabbit's a ten, this is like an eight and a half, which is really okay. good still. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. For I, I don't that, think it's as good, but it's still very good. Yeah, it, it, they poke fun of um, it's it's like Disney poking fun of of it of themselves, uh, yeah, which was pretty good. Yeah, but uh, I will say that's that's a genre that's dead and will never come back successfully as they did it. <laughs> like you had like it's like the Lego Movie tried to do it, they succeeded once. Um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit succeeded, and I think and nearly except for maybe this Chippendale movies, every single one of these like cultural ensemble comedy adventure movies has utterly failed when was the last uh, cultural adventure movie you would yeah 
successful. I mean, the, the last, the last real successful one would have been the Lego Movie. Um, right. Or maybe so Lego I wouldn't Batman. say that they're not successful. I'd say they are successful. They're just hard to line up. Yeah, yeah. it just, it just seems like. Well, actually, you know, the last one actually would be the new Space Jam movie. I the most recent attempt. Liking that. No, what? Did people not Space, like that? The new Space Jam movie was one of the biggest flops. No one. It was atrocious. Even kids oh. hated that movie. Yeah. Oh, well, Space I, Jam I, Two. I didn't into watch the, it. Space Jam <laughs> Two: Enter the Jam is one of the most offensive films of the last. <laughs> it's like it's on par with Cats, like the modern Cats. It's that. Like it's not nearly as much of a fever dream as Cats you know, is, but I, it's I tried really hate, is low in quality. I, I, know I tried hate like, watching not... Cats, and like it just I you can't even really hate watch it. Honestly, once you get past the butt thing, it's just boring. They have human faces. It makes no fucking sense. The only what? good thing that came out of Cats was Max Landis taking acid and watching it in a UFO in the desert. <laughs> but you know what? Going back to that, the, the Space Jam 2, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't set that bar that low compared to Cats. At least like for me, I, I watched it. I how I, I get it. Uh, you know, I watch it with the inner kid in me. Um, yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of things of with the inner kid in me, but the inner yeah, kid but... in me was critical. <laughs> I thought it was a big okay, and my okay <laughs> is like, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. This is this is fine. Like, it's I'm got... not gonna brag about it's... it. I probably won't talk to my friends about it that much unless the topic came up came it's up got a, but, it's got a it's got a 23% on rotten tomatoes oh and yeah. a 0. 0.4 on imdb <laughs> oh, i've seen worse no. i've seen I worse mean, yeah too. we've reviewed worse we've yeah. we've seen the last house on the street or attack of the killer tomatoes fuck that movie <laughs> you know, you know uh, that, that almost destroyed our friendship that did um, that that ben traumatized a group of people with that film yeah, but you really know, did but, so my question to you guys is, is it as if I were to put that movie and Trolls 2 next to each other, Trolls, Trolls 2. 2 is better? Yeah. Because yeah. Well, oh, Attack, wow. the, Attack okay. of the Killer Tomatoes has like these very good and interesting parts, but it is a genuinely t- like torturous experience to sit through that film. It's so boring. It's so boring. It's so long. It's a 30-minute sketch that's dragged out to almost two hours. It's it's like Coneheads. <laughs> where Cone, Coneheads, but Coneheads has the balance. Where Coneheads is two different movies that were all mm-hmm. de- both derived from two different skits that are shoved together into one narrative. And there's a dramatic tonal shift in the movie that clearly <laughs> tells you that something else is going on. And uh, it pulls it off though because the beginning part is so atonal from the rest of it that you're kind of jarred into the experience, and so you don't feel like you wasted your time. Where Attack of the Killer Tomatoes literally assaults you with pain, and 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 it it, it sucks the life out of you with how long it lasts. Like it's to better the, to be and, assaulted than a peppered. Oh <laughs> man, Booyakasha! Um. <laughs> Oh my god i will i will say it was a like i i ben and i have both on more than one occasion said like oh, i'm sorry for that movie because i've put on movies that have like hurt people emotionally and Wait, ben's who, put who on voted for that movie 
It was Ben's idea. Ben, Ben, I, I can't oh, remember why Ben. Okay. I think Ben it's had the floor I that weekend. Because I watched it since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, no, but there, you had control that weekend. I think. I think you picked all three movies. No, no, that was oh, a different gosh. one. Okay. <laughs> I specifically remember only having control for that one, because yeah, afterwards was... I was banned oh, yes. for two weeks from suggesting a movie. Yeah. Cool, well, because, yeah, you, you you apologized, and it was the only time it was a legitimate apology. I like when say, I say, when I'll I brought apolo- that movie up, I did not expect Ben and your reaction, which was hilarious, how bad that movie is. That if I had ruined, never... If I had never friendships, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it came, it came fucking close. <laughs> oh, my God. It's that, yeah, it's that and in. Cold Feet. Oh boy! Because Cold Feet still still should have been in that. We're watching that movie during the bachelor party, Ben. Absolutely not. It's uh, about well, a group of friends on a bachelor party renting an Airbnb and then getting <laughs> stalked by the government and ghosts. All right. Well. Okay. <laughs> we're, see, Monty's in. See, it's a great idea, Ben. No, I meant sarcastically. I signed oh, with no. Ben. It's no. You're watching this. Bad. I'm gonna make you watch this now, Monty. <laughs> Thank God All I'm right. Well, in speaking of Monty, what's something you'd like to share from the week? You know what? Something I like to share is, and I have to, I have to give Matt credit. Um, he actually brought up an interesting topic that I actually I have to say, and and I feel bad for myself, uh, you know, because movie guy here. Um, I have not uh, been keeping up to date with the martial arts film. And like modern martial arts films, modern or even going back to the old school, like uh-huh. martial art film. And and Matt, if you want to lead this one, like yeah, it's, yeah, you it's pretty awesome. Like you just, I don't even know how that conversation started this weekend, but we thought we yeah. would share it with our well. Audience. So so my my it started. So my topic of the week, which kind of paralleled into Monty's, was um. As I've talked about multiple times in this theater, uh, in this on this in this theater, uh-huh. um, my <laughs> favorite theater is the Music Box Theater in Chicago, and mm-hmm. they do a midnight movie club, or like they occasion they host movies on midnight over the weekends. But every now and then, those midnight movies are special selections, where um, either the staff or some kind of film festival dictates what the midnight movie is going to be. And this week, um, on Sunday night, I was like, man, I really hope I can, I hope there's like a movie to go see. Cause I've been trying, I've been jonesing to go to the theater. And what I ended up seeing was a 1998 Jean-Claude Valdam classic, uh, called knockoff. Um, and knockoff was made by a famous, uh, which I didn't know at the time. I know now a famous director, named uh hark sua am i saying that right monty troy troy hark yeah troy hark oh yeah it, his name is spe- is written hark first and hark second in two different spots oh uh, really yeah on imdb oh, it's it's, it's 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 harks uh and then in his description of who he is it puts yes. uh his real first name first uh but he's this He's this famous, like well, well acclaimed director and producer who worked on films like Once Upon a Time in China, Detective D, The Mysterious Mystery of the Phantom Flame, uh, and plenty others that we we've watched and talked about. And I was genuinely blown away. 
um, by the ridiculousness of this movie. We can talk about it more specifically, um, but what what it inspired and what in, we ended up talking about was through finding this movie, Monty was uh, reminded of this dire- this director and oh, all yes, the films yes, he made. Yeah. And and then we decided to, we we kind of dove into the history of uh, martial arts films. But what yeah. I found the most interesting and what I would really love for you to share <laughs> with both with me selfishly and with our guests out there is how the uh, Chinese or uh, Eastern uh, martial arts films are very much connected to actual folklore characters. It's like in the West we have Beowulf, which is like a ancient warrior and there's movies based on him but from what you were telling me is that a lot of these classic um chinese martial arts films are actually based on historical folk like legends and real people who rose into this uh this like realm of like legend and then kind of informed what became fantasy or a specific genre of fantasy right yes yeah it's it's a lot of them are based off uh novels um very classic novels um and lord of the rings-esque novels to the communities they're from right yeah it, it would be comparable to those uh because it's like it's fantasy uh with like wacky uh imagination i'm not sure wacky would be a word but it's just like the way to describe things and articulate it in the novels of like the fight scenes and you know it's it's just to put that um that that perspective into people's mind as they read the book uh and, and there's a lot of them um folk also heroes. like well so like my intro to anything in this genre i mean aside from like you know a a handful of kung fu movies i've seen which is pretty different is uh the dynasty warriors franchise it is probably oh really okay yeah and it's probably the intro for a lot of people too so like i I think the intro for a lot of people is wu-tang clan to be quite honest (laughs) well yeah it's it's an actual clan (laughs) yeah and and the amazing rap group Well, you know what the rap funny thing is that rap group Wu Tang Clan is actually a uh, it's based off you know because those guys they're big into martial arts. Well, yeah, that's their whole yeah. their, all, all of their I mean their their entire music is like I mean their their, their most it's important album is Enter the Wu Tang the Thirty Six Chambers. Yes, right, yeah. like it, and they they released all these wild uh, like box art like special editions of stuff. Yeah. As well, that's all ties into it. So the name Wu Tang Clan is mm-hmm. actually a play on a Chinese um, Wu. It is Wu Tang, um, you know how you pronounce yeah. it. Um, I'm not gonna say it in Chinese, but because <laughs> my Chinese ain't that great. Well, I can say it. it's it's better Wu, than ours. It's like Wu Tang San, but. Sun is like direct translation of this, this mountain, which is an actual place. Um, Wu Tang uh, Mountain uh, is oh, actually cool. um, one of the movies that I, I suggested. It's oh shit, t- uh, Tai Chi Master, uh, yeah. which is also based on a legendary grandmaster who founded uh, the the martial arts style Tai Chi, 
And so his school is called, you know, is on the Wu-Tang Mountain. And that's where oh. Wu-Tang Clan got their name from. And it's pretty awesome uh, how, how that transitioned. But yeah, like it's it's um it's not it's also like yeah most fantasy uh, or martial arts films in in Asian cinemas are based off of you know novels um, folk heroes like Once Upon mm-hmm. a Time in China uh, is based off uh, a story about uh, Wang Fei Hong who is a real um, real martial artist that lived I think in in the, the dynasty period. Um, yeah, well, it's. Uh, it, which it, one? I think you said you, you sent me um, a Wikipedia. Uh, on him. Yeah, how? Yeah, I mean, Juan Ya How. I think I said it right. Um, it said he was born yeah, eighteen sixty eight through nineteen ten, and yeah. it said he became famous because he would fight and defeat like uh, Western and and foreign foreign imperialists oh, in like you're... contests of of. of war to get publicized to get attention oh you're t- you're talking about Ho Yun Ho Yun Jia and oh, okay. he is um he is the inspiration of the Jin Jin Wu um it's it's t- it's Jin Wu school in, in okay. most martial arts and which is connected to Bruce Lee's uh famous uh Fist of Fury movie and, oh okay and the Jin Wu school actually exists and it has schools around the globe uh, it started off in Shanghai, China, uh, but they're called the Jinwu. I think if you Google them, the Jinwu uh, Sport uh, Athletic Association. Okay, that's that's the the school, and it actually exists. And this oh, that's this, so cool. This grandmaster actually exists, but his story, uh, what makes it memorable was he actually. Uh, have you you guys seen the movie Fearless with Jet Li? I have. I've seen Fearless. Yeah. Fear, that's so a fantastic. You know, I've seen a lot of the Jet Li movies because I love his best movie, The One. The One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Anyways, um, I am going to have to detoxify you with some yeah. <laughs> better stuff there. But um, the the character or the, the folk hero and Grandmaster Ho Yun Jia, you know how he, he is immortalized based on that event where his final match was with a Japanese um, grand uh, Japanese master. Uh, and because during that time, it was when during the, um, the eight, I think it's the, I don't know my Chinese history that well, but it's like the, during the time where the eight nations um, mm-hmm. conquered China, where, uh, and you were know, those were those the, were those the nomadic were those the uh like the the north uh eastern uh group like near where modern day korea is because i know uh, at that time oh, no, korea, no no it's it's when i say eight nations it's actually yeah. eight outside nations so the nations oh, will include the like british japan british japan british um you know uh uh portuguese Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, when the global they, superpower showed up. The superpower showed up and so they were really like calling, you know, the Asians, you know, the the weak man of Asia, which is something that, you know, was uh, constantly mentioned in the Fist of Fury movies, uh as an insult to Chinese because they always saw Chinese as a big continent and a big country, but it got divided like uh by these uh, the eight nations and you know so you got british that occupied hong kong that's why hong kong you know 
Hong Kong has, has a lot of British influence um, for a hundred years, I think, up until 1997. Um, but yeah, it's it's at that time, at that turmoil, turmoil, and he was a martial artist that stood up against okay. it. And he was kind of like the MMA, if you were to modernize it to this day and age, he was the, mod, the like, he, he would be challenged into these MMA fights style. Like, okay. MMA in yeah. a sense of different styles you got wrestling sort uh western fencing uh anything you got, goes you know anything goes that challenge his style because mm. he's a martial artist um but long story short is that near the end he what immortalized him was um he was poisoned well rumors oh. of uh mm-hmm. some of the theories go is that he was poisoned to 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 fail uh on the final battle and he actually did die from um this poisoning during the the challenge and that really stirred up the riot of the chinese the people like it's just like it's like saying you guys are put you guys mistreated us you guys called us names that's fine we can we can take that but now you just killed a national hero oh yeah they made they made him into a martyr yes and so that's why it was uh it inspired bruce lee uh to be part of that, the Fist of Fury, which later, mo- uh, there was a modern remake with Jet Li in it called Fist of Legend. And Ooh, okay. that uh, not only made Jet Li popular, but also um, the choreographer uh, choreographer and uh, director of that film, Yun Wu Ping, who became, uh, it, it got uh, Hollywood's uh, attention, attention on him. And hired him to do the, to choreograph the fights for the Matrix series. Oh so, shit! Okay. Yeah. And but um, he's also very well known. Uh, we can talk about that later. But yeah, it's um, but going back, let's take it back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, so it's like, reeling it back in. Uh, <laughs> We're before it before, back before in. we reel it back in for the other yes. history nerds who are listening to this podcast. Um, yeah. I just want to clarify that the eight, the eight nation Alliance was a coalition mm-hmm. in the 1900s, um, between, uh, the British empire, Japan, Russia, Germany, United States, France, Italy, and Austria, Hungary at the time who yes. were, uh, who were a coalition that invaded Northern China with the stated aims of, uh, revive, reviving, reviling, Revi- uh, reviving the foreign legions of in Beijing uh, then besieged by the pop- popular boxer militia um, and the boxer rebellions. Oh, yes, which the were boxer rebellion. A, uh, oh, that's another story. It was a peasant movement <laughs> that kind of led. And basically the the eight foreign nations used it as a an excuse. Um, mm-hmm. And they sent 45,000 troops from the eight nations. Uh, yep. and, and neither the Chinese nor the foreign allies issued a formal declaration of war. No treaties or formal uh, agreements in the alliance uh, bound the alliances together. They just kind of went out there and said, "We're from the West. We're going to do this." Yes, and th- to add to and that they won. Story, they su- they succeeded. <laughs> yeah, they they succeeded because our ruler, the Empress at the time, um, she was. Who should I compare her to uh, on the West? So basically, she she cowardly left the pal- uh, the throne. Oh, uh, she like she like to, abdicated. Uh, 
Jimmy yeah. Carter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Not that. Not. I was thinking some more historically, but okay. Sure. That works. <laughs> but yeah, she the Carter kind of, like she she ran off with her riches and because she was like she she couldn't handle wars uh i guess that well but yeah. yeah long story short yeah she she took off she says here you go uh you know you want this this land and she Take was it. she you was know. the leader of the of the Just, what was the quinn dynasty at the time or the Jin? Qin dynasty Jin yeah. dynasty okay yeah yeah and the last imperial dynasty of china yes because her grands her grandson was the last emperor yeah and, and he yeah. and february 12th of 1912 and he brought the dynasty to the end by 1917 yeah and i also heard about her characters she actually killed her own most of her own kids i think Oh, or sabotaged and assassinated them <laughs> Holy because shit. she did not want what to a psycho <laughs> She didn't want them. She didn't want anyone to carry the throne because her Ooh. husband was the emperor who passed away, okay. um, and was left left the reign on her. And of course, she had the power to do anything she wanted. But oh. unfortunately, she, for as compared to today's politician, she wasn't great at. She just wanted the luxury, but she wasn't good at running the the country you know what i mean okay yeah so, well hey yeah. i'm all for admitting one's faults i don't think that infanticide is necessarily a part of that did you know that the quint the jin dynasty the chin, only chin yeah. chin the chin yeah. dynasty only had three um three full-time emperors whoever it's, reigned and the it's and the very rest... very common actually chinese oh. history every dynasty it rarely goes past the fourth. It's kind of like the best the best way I would explain it is it's kind of like let's say you know Matt you worked really hard or Ben okay. you worked really hard and let's say you got famously rich right yeah and this is kind of a lesson that we learned in school uh, or from through our parents yeah. is you know how to be careful with your family's fortune oh and, you know so so you get like your your generation you guys mm-hmm. worked really hard you built the success of something and, and you know whatever and, and you're well wealthy then you have the next gen your your kids yeah uh, that next generation they understand how hard their parents worked to get them here so mm-hmm. they would be very careful of handling the family's you know jewel family uh, fortune and then you always get to the third and if you're lucky your grandkids would still if your your kids taught your grandkids yeah. well, they would understand how hard it is that it took for their their ancestors to build, the, you know, this level yeah. of uh, of things uh, of success. And then, so you pray that they, because because they are born with a silver spoon in the mouth, yeah. based on your success, and you carried it down. So they're gonna either be spoiled. Or they would spend all your fortunes on things, oh, thinking that money is okay. unlimited. So it's and, very rare that a dynasty goes past the third or the fourth, um, fourth uh, generation, right? And it's so, almost like it's yeah. like a, it's like a cyclical. How many generations of Kennedys are we at? Well, well, he, well, one one of them got assassinated, and the other one murdered a woman, and then tried to run for political office. 
And then the uh, other one also got assassinated. And then they put another one in a loony bin and lobotomized her and hid her away for years and pretended she never existed. <laughs> Who existed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. It sounds like the the, the 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 French story about the man the man with the iron mask too. Yes. Yeah, it's all it's it, all well, I mean, imperialism never yeah. stopped being like I people always talk about how humans uh, in their modern day haven't evolved to handle the technology in the world we have which is leading to the consistent chaos and lack of, of continuous development as a species um yep. and i think it's because humans are most personified by the imperial period like yeah. humans humans were at their most human during uh, like the imperial age of uh, of the world any imperial situation really shows you how humans want to treat each other, which yeah. is like in how in, in, in 1862 to 1877, there was the Dugan revolts as part, as part of the dynasty where over 20 million people died from famine, disease and war. And that's just a positive part of our history. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I never thought of it that way, but. You know, I- introducing a subject like that, I guess that does introduce an interesting commentary on the natural predilections of humanity. Yeah, yeah. we're just in, we're just imperial little tribesmen who now have nuclear <laughs> weapons. It's why it's why the aliens won't actually talk to us, because as <laughs> as a large scale species, the collective unconsciousness of humanity is not stable enough to be part of an intergalactic system. Because eventually someone is going to throw a nuke at somebody or try to fly a spaceship into a Dyson sphere to see what happens. <laughs> That's our, well, we future. already have yeah. movies about that. Yeah. Well, we do, we do. And, and I just want to I throw it out there. Cause I want to, I want to, I want to hide it deep in the episode. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to be our biggest fan this week, not only do you have to do Ben's tasks, but you also have to message me the expression Dyson sphere. Uh, you you don't need to do that because I want steps. people to actually review this podcast. <laughs> no, do the important stuff too, but also send me the term Dyson Sphere to show me you're my biggest fan. <laughs> but, keeping yeah, the original so, challenge alive deep in the episode. So yeah, like taking it back again. <laughs> yeah, taking it back, it back, as Ben would say. Um, the last character I would talk about in this episode, I guess, is the the Once Upon a Time um, series, which is also which is what Matt was telling you all about, uh, which is the director Trey Hark. He did the best um, modernization, I guess, uh, okay. during the '90s of the character Wong Fei Hong, who is a folk hero in uh cantons uh and he's actually um how how the movie portrays him mm-hmm. makes him seem very big which is typical what you do for yeah. a, a hero but in his real life apparently he is very humble and poor but he's was very he was a doctor uh and yeah, he was, he was a humble. physician yeah yeah he helped a lot of people and but he was also known for his martial arts um did you guys ever watch uh the Iron Monkey. Oh, I Marshall. think no. so. Wait, hold on. Let me look it up. With Donnie Yen in it. Yes. The, yeah. The, the amount of like interchanging stories and characters in these things is so is impressive. It, isn't there a modern version of this? Because uh, there's I, a well, lot. There's well, a there's lot. The... It's kind of like just 
it, it, like with these characters, uh, these folk heroes, um, it's kind of like James Bond. They're more they like always, character they archetypes, re- right? Yeah, they always launch, reuse those characters to develop their own movies to show their heroism. So there's mm-hmm. a ton of them out there. Um, yeah, it was a so, specific like, actor who was in. I'll, I'll find this. You guys keep talking. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. So it's 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 always based on these uh, you know. Uh, stories that we had and and just to go mm-hmm. back a little bit to ben's dynasty wars there is a movie that i would like to share with you guys because it's based off the romance of the three kingdoms uh during the era where china's worth was divided into three um three continents yeah uh, before it was unified into one and mm-hmm. the movie was directed by none other than the legendary director john woo called oh red cliff Red, and, I, okay, and it's it, it's uh it's an epic. It's based also, uh, I think I was telling you guys, but I'll let the audience know. Most of the time, these uh, famous uh, you know, movie make re, uh, uh, makes of these stories are they yeah. always take it from a certain volume or chapter of these books. There's like a ton of these volumes of these books mm-hmm. that there's a lot to cover, and yeah. <laughs> Red Cliff is one of the famous battles of during the romance of the three kingdoms era okay or in this modern day age the dynasty warrior era. Oh, so yeah okay. ah. and, um, and i gotta show you guys that movie one night um it's a two-parter uh, because it is part one they sp- the movie was too long that they had to split into two but you guys oh, would, hell yeah uh, admire it's a true the- epic yeah, the the story is kind of like in relations to three hundred, but okay. with more uh, similar to that story in terms of battle, but more on the the battles of the wits, like the strategy Ooh. of how they fought, and, the and all these heroes in there. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, we actually did. So we did. We did watch between us. We watched two different. We watched one. Of these historically significant uh, films, Monty, you shared it with us, mm-hmm. um, which was Legend of the Swordmaster. Legend of that? the Swordsman. Yeah. Legend of the that, Swordsman. Okay. You know what? That movie, <laughs> when a lot of my uh, Western friends um, that aren't familiar with Asian cinema, uh, whenever they say, oh man, Crouching Tiger and Dragon is like <laughs> freaking awesome. And I'm just like. In my opinion, I would just say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Let me show you this. And this is one of the movies I always show when it comes to when they ask for like Chinese uh, fantasy slash martial art. Uh, or the correct turn is wuxia, which yeah. is, you know, like uh, martial art hero stories. Um, they, which is very they, popular in like in, in modern fiction. Oh, like wuxia storytelling is now like considered a style of tell of writing even in western fiction like there's wuxia inspired western lit rpg fantasy yeah so this that movie i showed you guys and Mm -hmm. yeah what do you guys think of it it's it was awesome kind of like it's kind of like old school uh, i was really impressed (laughs) with the effects and it's the point i was going to make earlier where i've seen a lot of these techniques in like Video games, mm-hmm. but I've never seen you know like the ninjas swapped out with a with a 
wooden log trick. Like, I haven't seen that done by yeah. humans, you know, like on a film yeah. set. So it's, <laughs> it, 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 it was quite engaging to watch for no other reason, at least, besides the fact it was a good movie, but just seeing that all done, like, in live action. Yeah. yeah. And, and it it's... was, and it was, it was all captured on frame too. Like the editing is really smooth. It's mm-hmm. very, it was very funny and fun, but they managed to use such cool practical effects that when they did ridiculous stuff, like have dudes get blown in half by a sword, um, <laughs> instead of just like cutting away or kind of mangling it, you know, they'd have yeah. them blow apart with like, with red fabric pulled out of these, like clearly these figures. But it was so incredibly done that it was so engaging. I think what when Ben said, "Oh my God, this is Mortal Kombat." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of true. But yeah, no, that movie is actually also based on a novel um, uh, called "The Smiling Proud Wanderer" uh, okay. by uh, author Jin Yong. Which, uh, because Ben, you like video games, they are making. A video, a Wuxia video game coming out oh, on PC sweet. that is based on all the characters he's created. Man, I, I hope think. that's good. Holy yeah. shit, that's gonna I'll, be I'll awesome. I'll send you the trailer offline. It looks amazing. Um, but yeah, no, like it's it's also based on that, but it also has a political um, story behind it when they were writing it, and um, the author said that it is just to, to show people, you know, what is the world like. And, you know, as, you know, and you can apply to, you know, olden days or modern day, uh, you know, like dominance, uh, power, greed. And then you have uh, the protagonist in this film, which is Mm -hmm. he is a smiling, proud wanderer and just carefree. He just wants to live a humble life and, you know, give up the bloodshed and let George Washington of him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but but he's also at any time is willing to basically show that he's more powerful than everyone around him. Oh yes, but he's because he's humble, he doesn't really flash. Them. Or the Fonz, yeah. he's like Fonzie. <laughs> he does. Exactly. He does have a he bit is. of the Fonz in him. Yeah, I will give that you that. Is true. <laughs> now, now another another character, and and just this is just to to bring it back all the way mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. where how that we got here is a 1998 film called Knockoff. Now, yes. Monty, before you were you were the primary reason I actually ended up deciding to go because you know this movie, right? You you've seen this. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's why when you asked me, like, have you heard of a movie called Knockoff? I'm like, oh so, yes. So so. so, so so Ben, before before we wrap up, I just wanna I, I, I wanna shout out that if you wanna see a film that possesses the ability to have some of the most intoxicating and random editing I've ever seen, while Jean Claude Van Damme's entire dialogue for the whole movie is ADR'd in, with Rob Schneider giving arguably the performance of entire career, you really <laughs> need to go and check out this movie. That's um, a lot to like take in and watch. Yeah. Oh, it's it's mad. well worth. You sort it of mad libbed me right there. Ooh. It's better than Deuce Bigelow, a male gigolo. So doubtful. Best movie I doubt, of all time. I doubt it too. Best best Rob Schneider movie though is the Animal. You know what? Any movie that Rob Schneider shouts, you can do it. Is it's a good movie. <laughs> well, I wonder I how many times he said that. Maybe. But I do know 
that the best time he said it was the fourth time. Oh, do you know why that is, Monty? <laughs> Tell us, Ben, why. It's cause the fourth times the charm. Good night and good morning. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us. Monty, you gotta do your own thing. Yeah, what's your, what's your, yeah, I tell people to follow us on Instagram. You gotta have your own outro thing. See y'all next time. That's what you yes. said last week, too. Yeah, no, that's, that's his thing. It's that's locked it. in. It's locked in. Do you read Sutter Kane? Yes, he does. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs>